you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord? Amen. Today we're looking in the book of 2 Kings chapter number 6. 2 Kings chapter number 6. Begin reading with the first verse this morning. Reading from the New Living Translation. The Bible says that one day the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, as you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. Let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs. And there we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them. And when they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried, it was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall, the man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said. And the man reached out and Today we're going to learn some lessons from an axe head. Now don't look around this morning and figure out who I'm talking about, who the axe head this is this morning. Father, I thank you for the word of the Lord. It is indeed a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. God, I just pray today that your anointing, Lord, again will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. Give us ears to hear the word of God today. And may we make application of your word, and all for the glory of the Lord we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and all of God's people said, praise the Lord, and you may be reseated this morning. Do you understand that every experience in life has a purpose? Do you understand that there is no such thing as coincidence? Now, I personally, personally believe that some of what happens to us in life comes to us by divine appointment. But there are other things that happen in our lives as a byproduct of the choices that we make. Here's what I believe this morning. As we walk through life, we, we need to pay close attention and we need to learn from the situations and learn from the circumstances that present themselves to us. You see, what we learn from today's experience will help us with the experiences of tomorrow. And I believe that every single experience has a lesson in it. So much so that I even believe that we can learn some lessons from the story about the axe head that miraculously floated. There are three lessons this morning that I want us to learn as we look at this the first lesson I want us to learn this morning is this. Things go wrong even when we aren't doing anything wrong. You see, some people seem to think that, that things only go wrong when they are doing something wrong. 
May I suggest that Joseph wasn't doing anything wrong when his brothers threw him into a pit and sold him into slavery? May I suggest to you that Job wasn't doing anything wrong when God allowed the devil to torture him and take away from him every single thing that was within his possession. And Paul wasn't doing anything wrong when his thorn in the flesh showed up and continually harassed him. And even this junior prophet that we read about a moment ago in our story he was not doing anything wrong when the head of the axe that he had borrowed flew off the handle and was lost in the Jordan River. You need to understand this this morning. Bad things happen to good people. Let me tell you this morning that, that sometimes good people get divorced. Sometimes good people get sick as well as those that have lived rough, sinful lives. May I suggest this morning that sometimes good, solid, tithe-paying, church-going people have financial problems. The truth of the matter is things go wrong even when we are not doing anything and I feel in my heart this morning, I feel in my spirit that somebody here today, somebody here today needs to stop beating yourself up, trying to figure out what in the world you did wrong that brought about all of your trouble. And it's time you stop beating yourself up. It's time you stopped uh, pointing a finger. It's time you stop trying to figure out the cause and just start working on the solution. Because the fact of the matter is sometimes things go wrong even when we are not doing anything wrong. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial that you are going through. As if some strange thing has happened to you. But instead be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you may have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed in the world. Second lesson that we can learn from our story today is, and that is things go wrong even when we are doing things right. Sometimes things go wrong even when we are doing things right. This junior prophet in our story today, these junior prophets were actually cutting down trees in order to build a bigger Bible school. The purpose of their cutting down trees was to build a bigger Bible school so, though, so there would be more room for more junior prophets to be taught. Oh, 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 you would think that when you're doing something for God, oh, that everything would go well for you and that nothing bad could ever happen to you because you're doing something good, you're doing something right, you're doing something for God. But the truth of the matter is sometimes things go wrong for us when we are doing everything right. I told you about the time that we were building the church in Midland, pioneering a church from scratch. We started this church with just my family, just us four began this church. We were a fledgling startup, very small group of people when we built our very first building. 
And because we were small and because we had very little money, we did all of the work all by ourselves. All the work. General contractor, you're looking at him. And we had put hundreds and hundreds of man hours in it and, and did all of the work ourselves. And guess what? Somebody torched it. Somebody burned it to the ground. What? What? How in the world can that be? We were sacrificing our time. We were breaking our backs with labor. Oh, our men would work 8, 10, 12 hours on their regular job, and then they would come out and work to 9, 10, and 11, and sometimes midnight, almost every single night of the week. How in the world could this happen? We're building a church, man. We're doing something for God. Oh, when you're doing something for God. Oh, when you're doing everything right, everything ought to turn out right, right? truth of the matter is things go wrong sometimes even when you are doing everything right. You see, what we need to understand is that it's the devil's job to try and discourage us. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, watch out your enemy. Your what? Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. See, anybody can do the right thing when everything is going well. Not hard to do everything right when everything is all going right. Hey, anybody can sing a victory song when you're actually winning the battle. Write this down this morning. Adversity is the test of dedication. Adversity is the test of dedication. In the book of Job, chapter number 1 and verse 21, here's what Job had to say. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I'm going to return. He said, the Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then he said in chapter 2 and verse 9 and 10, his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. And he said, Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? And all of this Job did not sin with his lips. And then the wisdom writer writes in Proverbs chapter 24 and verse number 10, he says that if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. You see, things go wrong even when we are doing things right. Has it ever happened to you? Has it ever happened to you? Oh, oh. Ever had someone turn on you and stab you in the back, even though you had been incredibly good to them? Maybe you even took them in when they were homeless. Uh, maybe you gave them money. Maybe you paid some of their bills for them. Oh, maybe you did a lot of nice things for them. And when you need them, they're nowhere to be found. 
Has it ever happened to you? You took someone that knew absolutely nothing about your business. And, oh, you groomed them and you taught them everything you knew only to end up them starting their own business and stealing some of your clients. Ever happened to you? Something went terribly wrong even though you were doing everything The junior prophet in our story today was, was doing something right, doing something good, doing something noble. He was so excited about what he was learning from Elisha in the school of the prophets. Oh, he was so excited about it that he wanted to build a bigger Bible school so more junior prophets could learn from Elisha what he was being taught. So he borrows an axe in order to chop down some trees for the lumber that they would need to build a Bible school. And lo and behold, the borrowed axe broke. You see, just because you're doing everything right, that doesn't necessarily guarantee you everything will be problem free. May I tell you that I am thoroughly thrilled with the way this new building has turned out. I'm stoked, man. I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I'm thrilled. I'm happy with the results that we have. But let me tell you, it was not problem free. Truth of the matter is, it was one problem after the other, after the other, after the other. This is building program number eight in my ministry, four churches total and four additions. May I tell you, I have never had a more difficult time in building a building than in building this one. Somebody didn't want it built. May I tell you, as awesome and as incredible as this, and I'm not saying that it's perfect. I know that there's no such thing as a perfect building, but I'm excited about the results that we have. But let me tell you, it was not problem-free. It was one problem after the other. Each new phase of the building process brought its own set of problems. About the time that I got one set of problems taken care of and solved, boom, here comes another total new set. asking this morning for stroking. I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just using this as an illustration this morning. You would think if you're building a church, you would think if you were building the house of the Lord, it would be problem free. But the truth of the matter is things go wrong even when we are doing things 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17 says our present troubles are small and will not last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. And Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, Paul writes, he says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap. If we do not lose heart. Three lessons I want us to learn from this story this morning. The first one is things go wrong. Even when we aren't doing anything wrong. 
And things go wrong sometimes, even when we're doing everything right. And the third lesson I want us to learn this morning is, when things go wrong, we can count on God's help. Amen? Psalm chapter 20, actually the 20th division of the psalm, verse 1 through 4. Psalm 20, begin reading with verse 1. It says, May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt offerings and your burnt sacrifices. And may he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. And although trouble is no stranger to the people of God, And even though God does not guarantee his people a trouble-free life, the good news this morning is we we can count on God's help. And friend, it doesn't matter how big, it doesn't matter how small that our problems are. Because you see, God is interested in the small things as much as he is interested in the big things. And God is just as interested in the individual as he is in the crowd. Oh, read the Bible. The disciples would get all enamored. All the disciples would get all excited about the crowd. Jesus, on the other hand, would leave the crowd and go minister to the individual. May I also say this this morning. Whether a problem is big or small is a matter of perspective. It's all a matter of perspective. How many of you know the difference between major surgery and minor surgery? If you're having surgery, it's minor. If I'm having surgery, it's major. Everything is a matter of perspective. The size of a problem is a matter of perspective. May I tell you the things that made me want to run to the hills as a young pastor don't even faze me today? Can't tell you how many days I wanted to quit when I was a young preacher. Can't tell you how many times I I just couldn't hardly take it as a pastor when when the sweet people of the church didn't act like the sweet people of the church. The little bitty things that were big things to me, today I just smile. Go on. Because the size of a problem is all a matter of perspective. Think about the young junior prophet in our story. Let me me ask you, what's the big deal anyway? What's the big deal? So an axe head flies off a handle and is lost in the Jordan River. 
Big deal. Seems like a very small, trivial thing. But not to this young junior prophet. No doubt he was probably poor. Hey, hey he couldn't even afford to buy his own axe. He had to borrow one. If he could not afford to buy his own axe, he certainly could not afford to replace the one that he borrowed and broke. You see, what we, what, what we see is minor. Oh, to others is major. I love what God in his word uh, has to say and reveal. And that is that God is interested in the smallest details. Let me just be honest with you this morning. Not that I've been dishonest up to now. <laughs> Let me be honest with you. I have always been puzzled with this passage of Scripture that we read this morning we're talking about today. Fact of the matter is, I have never preached on this passage in 41 years as a full-time minister. Not even once. This today is the first time. I've read it, and I've thought, so? What, what, what's the big deal? What is it about this little story that merits inclusion in God's holy book? And the answer, at least a partial answer, is this. God wants us to know that he understands that what might seem insignificant to some is very significant to others. And he wants us to know that he is not just interested in the great big giant things of our life. Oh, that he is not just available to us when we are in a major crisis, but he wants us to know that he cares and that he is interested in the most minute detail and small, insignificant thing in our life. Several years ago when I was pastoring in Midland, I had some rental property. And I was one day working on one of my rentals trying to get it ready to rent to someone and the next door neighbor which was a sweet little Baptist widow lady lived next door and she came over to see what I was doing and I showed her around and told her what I was doing and getting it ready and I, I knew that she because we had talked before I knew that she was a Christian knew that she went to a little Baptist church and so I told her, I said, I want you to agree with me in prayer that God uh, will put a really nice, a really nice, uh, some really nice people in this little rental house uh, to be good renters to me, but they can also be good neighbors to you. And she looked at me like I had, was in outer space or something. And she said, oh no, I could never do that. I said, really? Oh, no, she said. I, God is much too busy to bother him about such a thing as who my next-door neighbor might be.
Hey, just take a look at the miracles of Jesus in the Bible. Oh, oh, yes, I understand that he healed cripples. Yes, I understand that he opened the eyes of the blind. Yes, I understand that he actually raised people from the dead. But he also performed miracles for very practical needs. Like feeding the 5,000 with the five loaves and two fish. Hey, I, I understand that everybody's hungry. But missing one or two meals because Jesus preached too long. They're not going to starve to death. I've gone 31 days in a row without eating one piece of food. And that taught me a lot of things. I don't grumble about bad food anymore. Because I think, you know, it's just one meal. There will be another. I understand that the people that day were, were hungry because the ministry went long, but they're not going to starve to death. But Jesus was concerned with their physical discomfort. Hey, the very first miracle that Jesus performed was turning water into wine at a wedding feast. Okay. But it would not be the end of the world if the host ran out of wine. It's not like no one got any wine. And it's not like the bride and the groom are not going to be married because they ran out of wine. In order to please his mother. We do a lot of things to please our mother. In order to please his mother and to save embarrassment for the host, Jesus turned the water into wine. A small thing to some, but a big deal to the ones that it affected. Now, please don't misunderstand me this morning. I'm not saying that God will always do what you want him to do. He's not like a magic genie that shows up every time you rub the magic lamp. But I am saying that when things go wrong, we can count on God's help. And sometimes he works a miracle and makes the problem go away. And then other times he just simply takes us by the hand and walks us through our when the three Hebrew boys refused to bow to the king's golden idol, God did not spare them the consequences of the furnace of fire that they were to be tossed into, but he did come down and walk with them through it. Daniel 3 and 25 says, the, Lord, or the king looked into the fire and he said, Look, I tossed three men into the fire, but I see four, and the form of the fourth man is like unto the son of God. Oh, maybe you're here this morning and oh, oh, and you're walking through the hottest trial of your life. Oh, oh, the heat is on in your life today, but, but I've got some good news for you today. And the good news this morning, whether or not God will spare you the fiery trial, whether or not God will get you out of the fiery trial, I cannot say. I know he can, but I cannot guarantee. But oh, here's what I can guarantee this morning, whether or not he will. Oh, I can say that no, he will either get you through it, amen, or he'll get you out of 
of it. But either way, you can count on God. In the midst of trouble, in the midst of problem, in the midst of heartache, in the midst of our struggle, amen, we can look around and see the form of the fourth man. If we look around, we can see that Jesus is there with us. And all we got to do is take him by the hand. And if we take him by the hand, he will walk us through. He'll take us through the fire. I'll be honest with you, I like it when it gets me out. But it seems more often than not, it gets me through. Amen. 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 When things go wrong, we can count on God's help. And the junior prophet in our story today encountered his problem. He knew where to go. Knew where to go. He turned oh, to the man of God. And God used the man of God to work a miracle for him and recover the axe head that had been lost in the river. No doubt you're here this morning and you're going through a struggle or a difficulty or a problem. The question is, do you know where to turn? Do you know where to turn? I encourage you to turn your problem over to the Lord. We could have our musicians and singers back in place very quickly and very quietly this morning. Begin to play very quietly when you get here and be ready when I'm ready for you to begin to sing, please. Friend, every purpose in life, or excuse me, every experience in life has a purpose. God doesn't waste anything. After he had fed the 5,000 with the five loaves and the two fish, after everyone was well fed, the Bible said, I mean, it was an all-you-can-eat buffet that day. When they'd all eaten all they wanted, Jesus says, gather up the fragments. He doesn't waste I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what is going wrong in your life. But I promise you, God has a purpose for your experience. I'm not saying that God caused it. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. There are many causes of trouble. The devil causes a lot of trouble. Sometimes God even sends trouble into our life. Read the Bible. I know you don't like that theology, but read the Bible. Forget about your American feel-good stuff. Read the Bible. He sent storms. He sent them into the storm. The devil causes trouble sometimes. God causes trouble sometimes for a purpose. Other people causes trouble. And we cause most of our own trouble. We cause most of our own trouble. Even when we've caused our own problems. The Bible doesn't say, but maybe this junior prophet, maybe he was acting like a junior prophet. <laughs> maybe he wasn't being, you know, real wise in the way he was using the act. Now, I could preach a whole sermon on the fact that he shouldn't have borrowed anything to start with. But the borrower is servant to the lender. But 
that's another story. I think I got another sermon out of this one. The question is, do you know where to turn in time of trouble? God doesn't waste anything, and he will use whatever you're going on in your life, whatever you're faced with today. And what we learn from today's experience will help us with the experience of tomorrow. And what we learn from somebody else's experience will help us when we are walking through the same experience. Would you stand with me this morning all over this room? Let me ask you this morning, what is going on in your life? What's going on in your life today? Are things going wrong even though you're not doing anything wrong? Are things going wrong even though you're doing something right? If things are going wrong for you today, God wants you to know you can count on his help. He might pull you out of the situation. Oh, glorious day. When it just takes us out of a bad situation. More often than not, he just comes down, stands beside us, extends his hand, and if we take his hand, lead us through whatever it is we're faced with and going through. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray today, God, that you will take the word of the Lord this morning, not my little very simple sermon today, but God, the word of God. Take the word of God this morning, the principles of the word of God today. God, may they do an incredible work in the heart of your Holy Spirit, I pray today that you will meet with us at this altar today. You will comfort hearts. You will strengthen weary hearts. You will calm troubled hearts. All for your glory, we pray. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand on anything right now this morning. I just... If you're going through it this morning and this has ministered to you today and you just need the Lord to continue to minister to you, I want you just to get out of your seat and come and stand in the front this morning. another moment this morning because I believe there's many more this morning that need to be in this room. 
your opportunity. This is your time. coming. It's not too late. Keep on. Keep on coming this morning. Keep on coming this morning. The altars are open for you this morning. I want you to come. Maybe you want to pray with someone. That's okay as well this morning. I want you to come. Amen. Let's spend some time in the presence of the Lord today. We'll give you just a moment or so of one-on-one time, and then I'm going to turn these singers and musicians loose this morning. Everybody make it a move forward, please. We. This is our altar time. We have not given up our altar. We have not given up our altar time just because we got a new building and a new church. We're all about meeting the Lord at the altar. In fact, every, every part of the service should point us to this moment right now. This moment right now. This moment right now.
Father, we thank you for what you have done this morning through the ministry of the word and through our time up here at the altar. Father, I thank you that breakthrough has happened in people's lives. Lord, that people that, that, that have been condemning themselves and feeling guilty because they think that they've brought bad things upon themselves. Lord, they've been freed of that, of that mindset this morning. God, people that, that need miracles but maybe thought it was insignificant realize today that, that those things are significant to you. And, and Father, they received their miracle by faith this morning. We thank you for that. We thank you for healing that, that's happened up here at the altar, Lord. We, we thank you for victory that's, that's taken place up here, Lord. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing at the Grace Place and what you're going to do moving into the future. Lord, we want it all. We want it all. We want more of you, more of you. We're not satisfied with where we're at. We want to go forward. We want to go forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise up here. He's worthy. Amen.